What's up, Kentucky Hikers? It's Medium Mike here with your Kentucky Hiker Project podcast for Thursday, July 7th, 2022. This episode is benefiting Kentucky Natural Lands Trust, a nonprofit organization whose mission it is to expand our public lands. We're going to help them out with a thousand bucks so they can add another acre for the good guys. That's you and me. And on today's episode, we're going to talk sunset at Twilight Arch Overlook in Red River Gorge, night hiking skills, and the curious case of wheeled tracks and a rescue on Swift Camp Creek Trail. Today's episode is not sponsored by pheromonematch.com. With Kentucky's summer heat and humidity upon us, now is the best time of year to find your pheromone match. Grab your backpack, ditch the deodorant, skip the sunscreen, and don't bother with the bug spray. It's time to go all natural and max out your incredible, God-given scent to find your one special someone. Whether you hike alongside, hitch a ride, or snuggle up fireside, your one special someone is that same special someone that can breathe in your stink and smile. Plan your hike and find your someone at pheromonematch.com. Today's feature hike is Sunset at Twilight Arch Overlook. And if you take a look at this hike, it's a pretty easy one. And so whenever we go out to Sunset, we always want something that's going to be relatively easy. This is a classic Red River Gorge Ridgeline hike. It's 3.14 miles, 445 feet of elevation gain, and just an easy walk on a well-trod path. So if you take a look, there's not a lot of uh, navigation to this. It's pretty easy. You just follow Sheltoe Trace, and then there's a couple of turns that take you off the trail, which are noted in the GPS waypoints. If you just uh, go to the website and then click on each one of those, you can save them to your Google Maps, and then that way when you're out there, you can just use them as breadcrumbs. So it's uh, the trailhead, uh, the two turns, uh, and then Twilight Arch Overlook are all noted on the website, and you can just take a look. It's relatively easy to navigate. Uh, especially if you have some daylight hours and so you can come out here any time of day, but sunset is particularly nice. Uh, The toughest part about this hike is actually just getting there. It's a long drive from Red River Gorge proper. Um, In addition, it's on one lane gravel road that's uh, not terribly well maintained and it has uh, some steep banks on either side. So once you get to the parking area, there's room for three, maybe four if you get creative vehicles. Um, out there, there's no services, so make sure you use the bathroom, or if you're going to use the bathroom out there, just be sure to uh, pack out your toilet paper and wipes. Uh, that's something that I see quite a bit out on the trail is uh, just leftovers there. So just pack a Ziploc, you know, put your TP in there, and uh, pack it out. The navigation, it's really just following the Sheltoe Trace. It's pretty easy. Um, it's well blazed, and actually the trailhead has two giant rocks, um, a footbridge, and then a nice uh, turtle blaze on it, a uh, white diamond turtle blaze indicating the trail. And so you'll just kind of walk that trail out. There's a sharp turn uh, to the left, and so again, you'll need that GPS waypoint. And that turn actually takes place just past what's called the Narrows. Uh, underneath uh, is White's Branch Arch, Ramp Arch, and, uh, and so that's a nice, nice area that I covered in the last podcast. Um, but the tough part, you know, as I mentioned, was getting there. And so I would recommend four-wheel drive or all-wheel drive vehicles with above-average clearance uh, try to get to this spot. You can probably do it with a standard two-wheel drive vehicle. Um, but the biggest problem is if you run across another vehicle while you're out there. Uh, it's a narrow road. It's not a lane and a half. It is truly just uh, one lane and a couple of spots. There's mature trees that kind of line the way. And so if you did have to uh, encounter another vehicle, it would be difficult to just kind of go up on the bank, um, especially with a two-wheel drive vehicle. You'd probably risk quite a bit of damage to your car. And so you may wind up having to uh, stick it in reverse. But, you know, one thing that I would note here whenever you come into these types of roads, uh, whichever has the, 
whoever has the superior vehicle, um, that's the one that should put it in reverse because uh, they're, they're better equipped. Um, as far as this hike goes, it's very quiet as a result of being difficult to reach with your car. Um, but if you do get there, you'll have a great deal of solitude. I don't expect many people would be out here for sun sunset with the hike length being at three miles. That guarantees that you're going to be hiking at night on your way back. And so we packed our headlamps. Uh, I think I think LaFonda had four or five headlamps in her bag, which was pretty crazy. Um, but the, uh, the biggest thing is when you're coming back at night, um, you are along cliffs. You're uh, in one spot. You're never more than maybe six feet uh, on either side uh, from a cliff. And those are uh, a couple hundred feet uh, of drop right there at the narrow. So it's not a good, not a good situation if you're not paying attention. Um, as always, whenever you're hiking in the Red River Gorge area, just keep an eye out for copperheads and timber rattlesnakes. Uh, copperheads are by far the most common uh, snake that I see down there. And so as you're hiking back or hiking out for uh, sunset, you can often find uh, snakes on the trail, um, catching a little bit of that leftover uh, you know, daytime heat, and they'll just be kind of baking out there. So just be careful and uh, keep your eyes open. All right. And let's see. So that, I mean, it's a great hike. Um, I think that any time that we are kind of staying south of Red River Gorge, more towards Zoe or Zoe, I don't know how you pronounce it, but um, it's a great place to go. For those of you who go to Hollerwood, um, this is also a really nice uh, hike that's actually just off of the same road there. And so, and obviously if you're at Hollerwood, you probably have a superior uh, off-road vehicle with you. And so this is kind of a no-brainer uh, stop while you're there. All right, and so the Kentucky Hiker Skills segment is next, and it's not brought to you by Hiking with Huggy. While our dear friend Rob Newman has seen the mystical and amazing lone golden tree of Letcher County from a distance, he has not yet benefited from its magical healing properties. Lucky for him, I'm going to take him on a quest this fall to the land of Pine Mountain, the top of Kentucky, to the lone golden tree where he will discover his destiny. But first, we're going to load that old boy up with some coffee. He was tired when we backpacked Little Shepherd Trail, I'm sh and I'm sure it had nothing to do with our time at Dreaming Creek Brewery the night before. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe we drank a little bit too much, but that happens, you know. I mean, you can't start a good backpacking trip until you're nice and hungover. All right, and so as far as the Kentucky Hiker Skills segment, uh, night hiking is kind of a thing. If you're going to get out there to catch the best views with the fewest people, uh, sunrise and sunset, are the time of day to do it. And the longer the hike, the less likely it is that you're gonna find someone. This hike at Twilight Arch Overlook at being three miles is more than long enough to deter most folks from going out. Um, the key is that you have to be comfortable hiking in the dark along cliffs. So when you take a look at you know night hiking and what you need, equipment-wise, it's pretty simple. You need a map, compass, GPS, whatever it is that you use uh, to find your way. And then you're gonna need a headlamp. Actually, I would take two headlamps and extra sets of batteries because headlamps fail at an incredible rate. Even the expensive ones have uh, had, I've probably been through at least a half a dozen. I probably replace one every year that it just dies. So, you know, make sure you bring a couple of headlamps with you. A cell phone uh, flashlight is probably not sufficient if you're going to be, uh, you know, going off trail. If you're going to stay on trail, it's probably not a big deal. So if you're going out to Oxier Ridge or something like that, um, where the trail is really well defined, uh, a simple flashlight, you know, from your phone is all right. Uh, but I would definitely strongly prefer a headlamp, which uh, you know lasts quite a bit longer. 
And uh, for beginners, I would always recommend an out and back route. So this, this, this hike that we just talked about, it was simple out and back. And then that way, when you go out, you know, you still have daylight and you'll be able to see the, uh, the route. And, you know, and then that way on your way back, you can kind of jog your memory a little bit. The only thing is that, you know, a lot of people say this and everything looks different at night. And there is a reason for that. So if you're just on, uh, you know, well-maintained trails that are relatively wide, it's pretty easy to follow uh, with blazes and, and the whole nine yards. That's great. But when you go off trail, kind of like the segment here from Sheltoe Trace out to the Overlook, it's a short little distance. Um, there's a lot more uh, underbrush that gets in your way. And on this particular hike, uh, right next to the Overlook is also the arch. And right in that spot, uh, there was some underbrush that was obstructing my view and I couldn't actually see the ground. And so I had to move stuff out of the way. And after moving things out of the way, I could see I was only a couple of feet from, uh, you know, from a nice little uh, dip. Um, and so that could have led to a pretty nasty fall, uh, one of those that, you know, certainly a little bit debilitating. Um, so just be careful. And then the other big thing is that when you are hiking at night and you have your headlamp, um, especially when you're around cliffs, you always want to make sure that your headlamp is pointing to the ground in front of you um, so that you can actually see, you know, see the ground. Because if you get to a spot that is completely black, that is actually open air and that is where the cliff is. And so you always want to make sure that you have uh, a good view without any obstructions between um, the ground and where your next footfall is going to be. So that's probably the biggest thing when it comes to hiking around Red River Gorge, especially at night, is just the cliff risk of falling down. There's been plenty of people over the years who have died in this way. And so it's not something to really mess around with. You want to make sure you have the right equipment, that you know the route. And it's actually really helpful if you hike a route uh, in the daytime beforehand and just kind of get familiar with it. Um, there are a number of different sunrise and sunset spots around Red River Gorge uh, that are off trail that I'm familiar with. And usually I will find them um, during the daytime and then come back and say, okay, this is going to be a great sunrise spot or this will be a great sunset spot. And I'll just make a note for which time of year I want to come visit them. And so just make sure that when you're out night hiking that you understand that you plan ahead and prepare. That's kind of the first thing of leave no trace. And so the plan ahead is just knowing the route. Um, and then the preparation is making sure that you have the map and compass or GPS route uh, along with plenty of battery life and maybe a spare battery would be nice too. Um, and then uh, also having the headlamps. And so headlamps, very, very important. All right. So <clears throat> night hiking, it's pretty easy. A lot of people kind of uh, are afraid to do it. So if you've never done it before, go with someone who's done it quite a bit. Find a photographer. Photographers are famous for being out there at all hours of the night, whether it be taking Milky Way uh, shots, you know, overnight or getting out for sunrise and sunset. They're definitely accustomed to it. So if you've got a landscape photographer friend, odds are they've been out there in the dark a lot. All right. And so our Leave No Trace segment is not sponsored by Wolf County Search and Rescue. Uh, it's a volunteer organization with the motto, So Others May Live. When things go sideways in Red River Gorge, this team is tasked with saving your ass. Be prepared, stay found, and stay alive, because you never know how long it's going to be before they can get a rescue squad together to come out and find you. All right. And then our Leave No Trace segment, this is an interesting one. So this is the curious case of wheeled tracks and a rescue on Swift Camp Creek Trail. And so I stumbled upon this on Facebook, which is a place I am rarely at, but I was researching National Fried Chicken Day yesterday, and then this came up in my feed, which was interesting. So I'm going to read this verbatim from a post that they did yesterday. 
And this is Tuesday evening at 6.15 p.m. Wolf County Search and Rescue Team received a 911 call from a 43-year-old female who was lost somewhere in the Red River Gorge. The subject could not initially indicate to dispatch what trailhead she had parked at or what trails she had taken, but advised that she drove in to catch the sunrise at 7 a.m. and had parked near a waterfall. She also stated she had, quote, climbed up a mountain, unquote, to gain self-service to call for help. The hiker had become separated from her male companion and only had emergency service on her phone, meaning she was out of her carrier service area and only able to make outgoing 911 calls. Wolf County Search and Rescue Team provided dispatch with a few questions to ask if the subject was able to call them back before her phone died, which was at 10%. A follow-up call was received and the additional information obtained, it was determined that her most probable location was on Rockbridge Trail. A hasty team was dispatched to clear Rockbridge Trail. Her male companion was quickly located camping below uh, Creation Falls. Their their campsite had sustained some damage from the severe thunderstorms that had moved through the area earlier in the day. He was unaware that she was lost. As this area had now been cleared, the hasty team hiked back to the junction of Rockbridge Trail and Swift Camp Creek Trail to begin clearing Swift Camp Creek Trail. A second hasty team was positioned to clear the user trail that leads to Turtleback Arch and rendezvous with hasty team one at its intersection with Swift Camp Creek Trail. As hasty team one began searching the Swift Camp Creek Trail, some unusual tracks left by wheels were identified along the trail. The team knew these tracks were recent as they had not been weathered by the earlier storm. After searching approximately a quarter mile of Swift Camp Creek Trail, hasty team one encountered the female hiker who had heard the searchers calling for her She had a small wheeled suitcase in tow. The team provided her with some water and then hiked her back to Rockbridge Trail and onto her campsite. In addition to this group's campsite being illegal within 300 feet of the official trail, it was also very dangerous. They were camped in the floodplain on a sandbar below Creation Falls. Wolf County Search and Rescue Team advised them of this, but the party refused to relocate. It is always a good idea to avoid camping in a floodplain, especially with more severe storms, heavy rain, and flooding in the forecast, which is exactly what was in the forecast at the time that they wrote this. So this is the Wolf County Search and Rescue Team wrap-up. My compliments to whoever it is that does these write-ups because they do such a wonderful job of not being judgmental jerks. And, uh, and while also providing all the information. So you can still read between the lines. I'm sure that they were not happy um, you know, with the situation on this. But uh, one of the things that's interesting is that uh, I found this story and you know, it's, if you just look at the seven principles of leave no trace, uh, you'll find that there are an awful lot of things that went wrong uh, in this scenario. And so there's a lot of speculation on Facebook and we'll just leave all that stuff there. Uh, But the reality is that the first rule of leave no trace is to plan ahead and prepare, okay? And so part of planning ahead and preparing is understanding the rules uh, in the uh, natural lands that you're going to visit. And so um, the, you know, this area is actually inside of Clifty Wilderness, and so the wilderness rules apply. Um, It's pretty simple when it comes to camping. You have to be 300 feet off of any uh, marked or maintained trail. Um, and so these people were right below the falls. And so if you guys have ever visited Creation Falls, you know, the little beach area there, that's exactly where they were camped, uh, had a tent up, had all kinds of other, uh, gear and equipment with them. And if you look at the pictures that were posted by Wolf County Search and Rescue, um, you'll see that, <clears throat> you'll see that the, uh, the tent had, re- had definitely sustained some damage and it was not looking like it was in very good shape. 
And so, you know, you should never camp, uh, you know, especially in a location like that. It's just, you know, it's just one of those things that um, it's not a good idea. So the first rule of leave no trace, plan ahead and prepare. We can say that this couple, uh, not so good. And then the second principle, which is travel and camp on durable surfaces. So technically, sand is a durable surface, and so you're welcome to camp on top of it. Uh, the only problem with this sand is that it wasn't uh, sand in a desert. This was sand below a waterfall um, on a sandbar uh, in a creek. And so if you are familiar with Red River Gorge, and especially if you've ever been down there uh, in the winter and spring after uh, sustained rains or heavy uh, storms, you know that there is a lot of flash flooding that can take place. I remember a rescue that uh, Wolf County Search and Rescue took care of, I think it was a year or two ago, and it was where some people had camped on the other side of Swift Camp Creek uh, down below Castle Arch. And so if, you, if you've ever passed by the lower Swift Camp Creek um, parking area, um, you, you can just basically walk across the way there and then go across the creek. Um, they had, had to set up a high line in order to get these hikers, you know, to safety, um, you know, before they were being, you know, to avoid being swept away. And so, you know, the biggest thing is that uh, while sand is a durable surface, uh, it's not durable in the sense that a flood would just wash away all of your, uh, your entire campsite along with you, okay? So the third principle, which is dispose of waste properly, um, so from reports, uh, it sounds like, you know, they had their campsite, you know, pretty well set up and had been stationed there throughout the day. And so let's just hope that they, they packed out everything that they packed in. Um, but you know, there's no guarantee of that either. And so the other part is that if you are, uh, setting up camp in a spot like that, um, you should really have bear proof canisters and everything else because it is a bear, uh, area. And so that's uh, kind of a problem as well. And so that kind of goes to another leave no trace principle, which is respect wildlife. Um, and so, you know, when you are out there camping, and especially if you don't have the sense to, uh, you know, not camp in a very popular uh, area um, that is right next to the trail, odds are that you're probably not following all of the uh, food safety requirements that are needed in order to protect wildlife. Um, the other thing is that, uh, and this one was kind of funny is that, you know, the seventh principle of leave no trace is be considerate of others. And so if you are setting up a camp, uh, right next to the most popular waterfall in a hiking region. Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure no one else wants to see that. Like no one wants to see what your camp style is. Nobody wants to know what it is that you're doing. And there's a, there's a reason that there, you know, the 300 foot rule exists because essentially you should be out of sight and out of mind for other hikers. Um, there was a trail report uh, attached to that Facebook post from someone who had hiked that same day and had seen the couple and, you know, they basically just said, you know, hey, they were just kind of sprawled out and act like they own the place. And, um, and that's just not something that you can do. And so while Wolf County Search and Rescue put this very uh, mildly, the reality is that um, this was a set of campers that, you know, really kind of broke most of the leave no trace rules and broke most of the rules of just common sense, not just in terms of safety and setting up in a floodplain, but also in terms of just rudeness. And, uh, and so when they were informed that they were camped illegally, uh, they refused to move. And so um, there were some questions that were put on Facebook, you know, why didn't search and rescue make them move? And the reality is that search and rescue is a volunteer organization. They do not have law enforcement authority. Uh, only Forest Service can do that or the police. And so, 
Um, this is Forest Service's Dominion. There's a reason that they are technically law enforcement officers and able to carry sidearms. And so those are the folks that would be responsible. And so I don't know if they came back and told them to move, gave them a ticket, find them, or whatever it may be. Um, but the reality is that this was a very strange situation. There's a lot of questions that you could ask. You know, for example, if they were there all day, as it sounds like it, they had been, um, you know, why, uh, why did the one person, uh, you know, take off with their with their rollerboard, uh, you know, suitcase uh, up a trail. And so that's, uh, that's kind of an interesting one. But, you know, you can do a lot of uh, conjecture and supposition on this, but the reality is that when it comes to leave no trace principles, this was a really good example of breaking a lot of those, uh, you know, those principles and going against it. And then the result is just a bad hiking experience for everyone else that was there. It was a dangerous situation <clears throat> for this couple. And, uh, and so hopefully, you know, uh, they moved on and hopefully learned something from this. All right. And okay. And the, so that, uh, <clears throat> that was just a, a weird case. And I can't remember ever seeing anyone with a suitcase, uh, that would take a suitcase down that trail. Cause if you remember, if you ever hiked it, there's plenty of, uh, rock steps and just uneven terrain and everything. And it just looks like it'd be a pain in the butt. I also noticed that they had a big, uh, cylinder cooler, um, which normally you would just put like, you know, a whole bunch of drinks if you're out on a construction site or if you were, um, you know, running a race, you see that type of, uh, cooler. So it was just a, a strange setup to be sure. So likely, uh, novice, uh, campers and hikers, and certainly, uh, not knowing which trailhead you're at or what trail you've been using. Um, that is, that is just an, a big no, no. And, uh, that's why they had to send out a couple of teams to go find this, uh, group. So, uh, that wraps it up for the leave no trace segment. And then a special shout out from the project to Mill Creek Lake, uh, kayak and paddleboard rentals. Uh, thanks for being flexible, uh, last weekend and providing us with the equipment, uh, to have an amazing summer day out there on the lake. It was pretty sweet. And so, uh, one of the things that we've been into is over the summer, we try to, uh, break up a hiking day, uh, where we'll hike through the morning hours when it's a little bit, uh, less hot. And then when it comes afternoon and peak heat, then we like to get on the water and go do some things. Uh, La Fonda is 100% sold on stand-up paddle boarding. And so I think that we will be looking for those and doing some shopping. Uh, I'm quite a bit bigger than her. You know, I am medium Mike at this point. And so that's, uh, you know, I got to find something that will carry my extra girth right now. And so they do have weight limits on those things. So when you're out shopping, just make sure that you pay attention. And uh, our fundraising update for this week, it's the total donated to Kentucky Natural Lands Trust now stands at a big, big old 40 bucks. So that's two Jacksons or four Hamiltons or eight Lincolns or 40 Washingtons or one Jackson, one Hamilton, one Lincoln and five Washingtons. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, we're 4% of the way to adding another acre to our public lands. And so can this podcast do the tortoise? I think it can. I think it can. You know, we'll get there slow and steady. So this has been the Kentucky Hiker Project podcast. And if you'd like to sponsor an episode, submit an ad, or give a shout out to one of your fellow hikers, go to the podcast page at kentuckyhiker.org slash podcast and hit the sponsor an episode link. Thanks for listening. Get out there and hike.